0: Hi, Claire. Thanks so much for joining us here on the podcast today. I'm so happy to have you.
1: It's great to be here. It's awesome.
0: Okay, so let's jump in and get your backstory. If you could tell us about maybe your early relationship with alcohol, since that will be basically the focus of what we're talking about with your story today.
1: Yeah, so I first tried alcohol when I was around 13 years old, um, I grew up in the UK with um, a very like Irish family where alcohol was very present at a lot of the family gatherings and Christmas times. So, yes, I remember just trying alcohol and sneaking it with my cousin up to like my bedroom and just absolutely loving the way it made me feel. Um, so, that was sort of my introduction to alcohol. And then throughout my teens, it just continued. And I was a blackout drinker, basically, from the beginning. um, Yeah, from the moment I started, I basically couldn't stop, I would just keep going. Um, And then that went through, yeah, all the way through my teens and 20s. Yeah, so
0: you made some early attempts to quit drinking. Can you talk about those and um, those unsuccessful, I guess, attempts?
1: Yes, so the first time I remember stopping was when I was 19 years old. It had all stemmed from another very drunken night where, you know, unfortunately for me, when I would black out, I became a very unpleasant person. I became very aggressive. I would say the most hurtful things. People didn't want to be around me. And so another event like that had happened Um, I was 19 and I thought enough was enough. And actually my uncle, he's not um, blood related to me, but he was also an alcoholic and he had also stopped drinking for about a year or two by that point. And he could kind of recognize it within me at that point. And he gave me this book um, called Easy Way to Stop Drinking by Alan Carr. And he said, read this. And I did find it super helpful. And I did manage to stop for um, two months, two months it was. And then, you know, just that voice came back to my mind of like, oh, come on, like you're 19 years old, you know, legal drinking age is 18 in the UK. Um, So then, yeah, I picked up a drink on a Friday night with some friends. And then again, it just got the ball rolling and I was back to drinking. Um, so that was, yeah, the first time I tried, I lasted two months.
0: Yeah. So what do you think it was about the book that was helpful? Cause that was really the first time you were able to stop, even if it was, you know, not permanent.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, really just getting a much, much better understanding of alcohol and basically learning that, you know, if you have this disease that's you can't moderate basically it just drilled that into me even though yeah okay after two months I did pick up a drink but there's so much at play right like there's so many things going on it's not just a physical allergy but it's also a disease that's happening in your mind so basically um yeah I the book was very helpful. It really drilled into me that no, you cannot control drinking. You can't moderate this. You're just gonna have to completely cut it out. So yeah, as I said, i managed to go for those two months. But then I think for me, a self-help book wasn't going to cut it. It was helpful, but it wasn't going to help me achieve long-term sobriety.
0: Yeah. So you actually made a move to Thailand. Can you talk about that? You moved there and then actually did two different moves to Thailand.
1: Yes. Um, So as they say, like, you know, geographicals, moving around the world, hoping that, you know, you can just run away from your problems and it will all be fine is something quite common with alcoholics and addicts. And it definitely was the case for me. Um, mainly because my drinking was causing problems with my friendships and relationships and it did feel like everything was falling apart so yeah when I was 24 I packed my bags and I moved to Thailand for the first time around and really that just came the motivation behind that was um, I was teaching in a school I'd finished my teacher's training and yeah I just decided I don't really want to work in a school in London I would love to just I had no ties had no partner or kids or anything so I thought yeah I'll just move off to Thailand and it was an amazing experience and yeah for the short term my problems did all disappear um, but slowly but surely new problems came and, you know, I didn't want to accept, I didn't want to admit that maybe I was the problem or that my drinking was the problem. It was, oh, well, it's just this place. And then I would pack up, move on. I then went to Vietnam, stayed there for three months. That didn't work out, moved back to England and lived in Liverpool for a little while. So yeah, there was many, many um, times I was just moving around the world and not really accepting that maybe I was the problem. Sure, so can
0: you talk about what made you actually finally stop and how old you were when that happened?
1: So I was 29 years old when finally hit the the rock bottom. For me, my rock bottom isn't as bad as other people. I didn't lose my house or my job. Um, I basically was yet again at another party I had found uh, an amazing partner and he was just sick of it and very embarrassed and he had had enough of me basically um you know I kept telling him i oh, like it will stop it will stop like yeah yeah I'll, I'll just have two next time but at this last event I yet again got very very drunk and ended up injuring myself pretty badly I ended up falling over and splitting my head open and having to be rushed to hospital so after that he he basically said I I can't stay with you anymore if this continues and I thought okay I know I need to stop now too many bad things are happening but I knew I just knew I wasn't going to be able to do it alone I just thought it in order for this to really work, I'm going to have to reach out and to some other sober people and get some advice on this. So yeah, that was the time.
0: Yeah. I think so many women can relate to your story and, you know, from at all ages, really, you know, I think you were fortunate to kind of stop the pattern while you were younger, whereas it continues into, into later years for many women or even starts later. Um, And I wanted to just kind of talk about what you think the causes are, since you've probably done a pretty in-depth study of alcoholism, I would guess now, um, you know, we see so many more women drinking these days. And to me, a lot of it, 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 there has to be, you know, a physical connection. Some of us just have brain chemistry that doesn't allow us, I can't drink a lot because, Um, or even much at all, because I almost feel like I do have an allergy to it. And, you know, I, like you kind of walked away from it a long time ago, but um, there are also pressures, you know, women are trying to be moms and trying to work and trying to do everything and fulfill all these roles. And sometimes for women, um, and I know this was true for me, that's like the only time of respite you can have, or I can have a glass of wine or five at the end of the night right Mm -hmm. what do you think the causes were for you because you were you were younger and didn't quite have those pressures yet
1: right yeah and I know for different people everyone has their different journey some it doesn't develop a problem until the people are in their 40s but for me as I shared I was a blackout drinker from the from the beginning from the moment I started drinking was when you know, there was no off switch. It was once I started, that craving was activated and all bets were off. So it's interesting. It's like, yeah, it just activates that craving within me. Like I, multiple times I tried, you know, I never wanted to get blackout drunk. I was always like, okay, tonight it's just going to be two. But for whatever reason within me, um, I had that, that, that reaction Um, but also I think drinking in the first place because you like that's what they call it isn't it it's like the insanity of thinking it's going to be different next Mm -hmm. time you know when it's like well why did I keep going back if I I've experimented enough here so I think as well yeah that ease and comfort that that first drink gives is so oh like uh, I deserve it um and also I think yeah I had I've always been a very shy anxious like from when I was a child Mm -hmm. so I think a lot of that was to do with okay yeah this is going to make me feel relaxed this is going to help me enjoy these social situations so that was definitely at play as well I think there's multiple factors and yeah I've met so many sober women and Some have had terrible lives and you can say, oh, well, that's probably why they drink. But then I've also met other sober ladies that struggled with alcohol that actually had very happy childhoods. So for me, it's not like one size fits all.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. And I'm glad that you mentioned being shy and anxious. Um, I think that's true for a lot of people. Myself, the same, I had a very happy childhood, but I have been anxious since the day I was born. And I think that alcohol can like, when you find that sense of comfort, when you feel that it's like, why would you want to give that up? Because you're realizing that you can feel comfortable when you're so used to feeling anxious all the time. So it can be pretty dangerous, but it, it, you know, you also described it as a craving. It really does react like that. um, Or your body reacts like that. I like to think of it too, as um, someone who's addicted to sugar and who can't stop binge eating. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a reason that's happening. Like that sugar is fulfilling something for them. People don't do it just because they want to do it. Right. It's, it's actually something that's happening physiologically, but you're right. There are so many other components of it, but it's so, I mean, it's just rampant today, especially with women. So what are some of the challenges you
1: faced while you were becoming sober? I think, you know, having to accept, okay, I basically can't ever drink again, which the thought of is kind of terrifying. So, you know, one day at a time. Um, And also having to kind of say goodbye to that old identity, to the old Claire, you know, I was the party girl. I was the life and soul. And that's what everyone expected from me. So when I stopped drinking, it was having to say goodbye to that, that person that was, yeah, no longer there anymore. And the old friends the you know, some are still in my life and are still willing to meet up with me for like a walk or things like that. But there were some friends that weren't interested in hanging out with me anymore. It made me realize, oh, they did only call me just when they wanted to go to the bar because they knew that I would agree to it I was always that girl like yeah yeah so that's why everyone used to call me so everything changed and yeah so I think it's just a massive adjustment period and it takes a while. So for the first few months I laid low, I avoided social situations. I basically, yeah, avoided anything that I thought could trigger me. And then it was a transition just going back into the real world slowly, slowly. Um, So yeah. How do you handle social situations
0: today? Because as you mentioned, if you do feel that sense of unease or anxiousness that, I mean, it's just part of who we are. And I, I relate to that. I feel the same way a lot of the time. How do you face social situations where everyone around you is probably drinking for the same reason, let's face it, mm. but you are not.
1: Yeah, well, as I said, in the early days I was just avoiding it and I had to really ease myself back in with baby steps and it's interesting that we're talking about this subject now because only very recently I've come off my anxiety medication so me and anxiety right now is very very just prevalent and it's it's an adjustment period now for me just coming off these meds um But I think just, just being honest and open and just admitting like, oh yeah, I just feel a bit uncomfortable in this situation right now. And my friends are just very accepting and loving. And I realize, oh wait, no one's judging me right now. You know, everyone is understanding because as you say, like so many other people are also experiencing this this ang- anxious feeling. I feel like, especially since COVID, um, nearly all my friends were on some kind of medication for anxiety. So I think it's just like removing that shame um, and realizing that it's nothing to be embarrassed of, but really, um, yeah, just slowly, slowly integrating back into the world. And to be honest, I've lost all interest in going to bars. Like, practically every night I used to be at a bar and I'm just not I'm not interested in it as much anymore like I got married back in May and that was amazing that I even got up and performed and sang yeah I've, I've always been a performer and I've always been at the bar taking shots before I get up on stage and it was amazing that now I can actually perform on stage without needing that Dutch courage so you know, it's dependent on the day. Some days I do feel uncomfortable, but other days I feel better. And again, I think um, in my sobriety, working a program, connecting deeper with a higher power, and it's helped me to move away from fear and lean more into faith to know that everything is going to be okay has, yeah, been very comforting because that's what I used to drink over, like all my problems. I used to seek comfort from alcohol, when now I'm seeking comfort from
0: a higher power. And the higher power can be different for everyone as well. So people shouldn't shy away from the spirituality, because it, it can look different. I mean, it can be as simple as meditating and walking on the beach or, you know, spending time with your thoughts journaling. Exactly. It doesn't have to be religious, so to speak. Yeah. So it is difficult, I think, with friendships that I would imagine. And it's as you've described, some friends you have to let go or they let you go. But do you find yourself today surrounded by a much stronger, better circle of people? Absolutely.
1: A lot more stable, and there's far less chaos and drama. It's just a lot more peaceful and easy. And yeah I feel like the friends I have now that they were they were still around back in the day um, but they're just very solid friendships in comparison to the other friends that I used to hang out with but what's also really interesting is now I'm being a lot more upfront and open on social media about my sobriety is I'm actually having some of those old friends I used to drink a lot with reach out to me going oh my gosh please help me like I don't know how to stop drinking. So it's, it's interesting how slowly I'm reconnecting to those people.
0: Yeah. And it's a good transition now, because my next question is how are you helping other women today? You've kind of changed your own life in order to help others.
1: Yes. Yeah, so it's been 20, 21 months now since I've last had a drink. And I'd say in the last year, I've definitely, yeah, become a lot more open about it in the first year. I kind of kept it a secret. I, I guess there was a bit of shame around it, but now I'm like, yeah, this is me. And I just kind of feel called to help others because it also, I feel helps my own recovery knowing that now I have purpose. Now I am a responsible person that can actually help other people. And it, you know, it just, it, it also keeps me busy rather than getting stuck in my own head and, mm. and wanting to drink over things. So yeah, I, I help other ladies, uh, well, men and women, um, with sobriety. I've even created like my own program. It's like a three month program that I coach people through. And I also sponsor people, um, through a 12 step program as well. Very nice. So
0: where can we find you online? If we want to, if someone wanted to connect and maybe sign up for, for your program.
1: I am on Instagram and my name is Clarity with Claire underscore and my name Claire is Claire without an I, C-L-A-R-E. Okay,
0: good. And my last question is, are there any books that, I know you mentioned that book back in your when you were 19 years old, but are there any other books that you find are helpful that you might refer women to when they're thinking about it? Maybe they're not quite at the point where they're ready to commit to some kind of a program or they're not yes. sure if they have a problem or not.
1: Um, I've also read a book called Alcohol Explained. And again, just a really good book at developing like a better understanding of exactly what's happening um, and you know why we're drinking in the first place. But for me really, as I said, like the books, yeah, they, they're helpful, but I also find like Facebook.
0: Hi, Claire. Thanks so much for joining us here on the podcast today. I'm so happy to have you. It's great to be here. It's awesome. Okay. So let's jump in and get your backstory. If you could tell us about maybe your early relationship with alcohol, since that will be basically the focus of what we're talking about with your story today.
1: Yeah, so I first tried alcohol when I was around 13 years old. Um, I grew up in the UK with um, a very like Irish family where alcohol was very present at a lot of the family gatherings and Christmas times. So, yes, I remember just trying alcohol and sneaking it with my cousin up to like my bedroom and just absolutely loving the way it made me feel. Um, So that was sort of my introduction to alcohol. And then throughout my teens, it just continued. And I was a blackout drinker, basically from the beginning. um, Yeah, from the moment I started, I basically couldn't stop. I would just keep going. Um, And then that went through, yeah, all the way through my teens and 20s yeah so you made some early attempts to quit
0: drinking can you talk about those and uh, those unsuccessful I guess attempts
1: yes so the first time I remember stopping was when I was 19 years old it had all stemmed from another very drunken night where you know unfortunately for me When I would black out, I became a very unpleasant person. I became very aggressive. I would say the most hurtful things. People didn't wanna be around me. And so another event like that had happened. Um, I was 19 and I thought enough was enough. And actually my uncle, he's not um, blood related to me, but he was also an alcoholic and he had also stopped drinking for about a year or two by that point. And he could kind of recognize it within me at that point. And he gave me this book um, called Easy Way to Stop Drinking by Alan Carr. And he said, read this. And I did find it super helpful. And I did manage to stop for um, two months, two months it was. And then, you know, just that voice came back to my mind of like, oh, come on, like you're 19 years old, you know, legal drinking age is 18 in the UK um so then yeah I picked up a drink on a Friday night with some friends and then again it just got the ball rolling and I was back to drinking um so that was yeah the first time I tried I lasted two months yeah so what do you think it was
0: about the book that was helpful because that was really the first time you were able to stop even if it was you know not permanent
1: Mm mm-hmm Um, Really just getting a much, much better understanding of alcohol and basically learning that, you know, if you have this disease that you can't moderate, basically, it just drilled that into me, even though, yeah, okay, after two months I did pick up a drink, but there's so much at play, right? Like there's so many things going on. It's not just the physical allergy, but it's also a disease that's happening in your mind so basically um yeah I the book was very helpful it really drilled into me that no you could not control drinking you can't moderate this you're just going to have to completely cut it out so yeah as I said I managed to go for those two months but then I think for me a self-help book wasn't going to cut it it was helpful but it wasn't going to help me achieve long-term sobriety. Yeah. So you actually
0: made a move to
1: Thailand. Can you talk about that? You moved
0: there and then actually did two different moves to Thailand.
1: Yes. Um, So as they say, like, you know, geographicals, moving around the world, hoping that, you know, you can just run away from your problems and it will all be fine is something quite common with alcoholics and addicts. And it definitely was the case for me, um, mainly because my drinking was causing problems with my friendships and relationships. And it did feel like everything was falling apart. So yeah, when I was 24, I packed my bags and I moved to Thailand for the first time around. And really that just came, the motivation behind that was, um, I was teaching in a school, I'd finished my teacher's training and yeah I just decided I don't really want to work in a school in London I would love to just I had no ties had no partner or kids or anything so I thought yeah I'll just move off to Thailand and it was an amazing experience and yeah for the short term my problems did all disappear um, but slowly but surely new problems came and you know I didn't want to accept, I didn't want to admit that maybe I was the problem or that my drinking was the problem. It was, oh, well, it's just this place. And then I would pack up, move on. I then went to Vietnam, stayed there for three months. That didn't work out. Moved back to England and lived in Liverpool for a little while. So yeah, there was many, many um, times I was just moving around the world and not really accepting that maybe I was the problem. Sure, so can you talk about what made you actually finally stop and how old you were when that happened? So I was 29 years old when finally hit the the rock bottom. For me, my rock bottom isn't as bad as other people. I didn't lose my house or my job. Um, I basically was yet again at another party I had found uh, an amazing partner and he was just sick of it and very embarrassed and he had had enough of me basically um you know I kept telling him "Oh, like it will stop it will stop like yeah yeah I'll, I'll just have two next time but at this last event I yet again got very very drunk and ended up injuring myself pretty badly I ended up falling over and splitting my head open and having to be rushed to hospital so after that he he basically said I I can't stay with you anymore if this continues and I thought okay I know I need to stop now too many bad things are happening but I knew I just knew I wasn't going to be able to do it alone I just thought in order for this to really work i'm going to have to reach out and to some other sober people and get some advice on this so yeah that was the time
0: yeah i think so many women can relate to your story and you know from at all ages really you know i think you were fortunate to kind of stop the pattern while you were younger whereas it continues into into later years for many women or even starts later Um, and I wanted to just kind of talk about what you think the causes are, since you've probably done a pretty in-depth study of alcoholism, I would guess now, um, you know, we see so many more women drinking these days. And to me, a lot of it, 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 there has to be, you know, a physical connection. Some of us just have brain chemistry that doesn't allow us, I can't drink a lot because, Um, or even much at all, because I almost feel like I do have an allergy to it. And, you know, I, like you kind of walked away from it a long time ago, but um, there are also pressures, you know, women are trying to be moms and trying to work and trying to do everything and fulfill all these roles. And sometimes for women, um, and I know this was true for me, that's like the only time of respite you can have, or I can have a glass of wine or five at the end of the night right? Mm -hmm. What do you think the causes were for you? Because you were, you were younger and didn't quite have those pressures yet.
1: Right. Yeah. And I know for different people, everyone has their different journey. Some, it doesn't develop a problem until people are in their forties. But for me, as I shared, I was a blackout drinker from the, from the beginning, from the moment I started drinking was when you know, there was no off switch. It was once I started that craving was activated and all bets were off. So it's interesting. It's like, yeah, it just activates that craving within me. Like I, that multiple times I tried, you know, I never wanted to get blackout drunk. I was always like, okay, tonight it's just going to be two. But for whatever reason within me, um, I had that, that, that reaction. Um, but also I think drinking in the first place, cause you like, that's what they c- call it, isn't it? It's like the insanity of thinking it's gonna be different next mm-hmm. time, you know, when it's like, well, why did I keep going back? If I, I've experimented enough here. So I think as well, yeah, that ease and comfort that that first drink gives is so, oh, like uh, I deserve it um and also I think yeah I had I've always been a very shy anxious like from when I was a child Mm -hmm. so I think a lot of that was to do with okay yeah this is going to make me feel relaxed this is going to help me enjoy these social situations so that was definitely at play as well I think there's multiple factors and yeah I've met so many sober women and Some have had terrible lives and you can say, oh, well, that's probably why they drink. But then I've also met other sober ladies that struggled with alcohol that actually had very happy childhoods. So for me, it's not like one size fits all. Yeah,
0: I completely agree. I'm glad that you mentioned being shy and anxious. Um, I think that's true for a lot of people. Myself the same, I had a very happy childhood, but I have been anxious since the day I was born. And I think that alcohol can like, when you find that sense of comfort, when you feel that it's like, why would you want to give that up? Because you're realizing that you can feel comfortable when you're so used to feeling anxious all the time. So it can be pretty dangerous, but it, it, you know, you also described it as a craving. It really does react like that. Um, or your body reacts like that. I like to think of it too, as, um, someone who's addicted to sugar and who can't stop binge eating, right? Mm-hmm. Like, there's a reason that's happening. Like that sugar is fulfilling something for them. People don't do it just because they want to do it, right? It's, it's actually something that's happening physiologically, but you're right, there are so many other components of it. But it's so, I mean, it's just rampant today, especially with women. So what are some of the challenges you faced while you were becoming
1: sober? I think, you know, having to accept, okay, I basically can't ever drink again, which the thought of is kind of terrifying. So, you know, one day at a time. Um, And also having to kind of say goodbye to that old identity, to the old Claire, you know, I was the party girl, I was the life and soul. And that's what everyone expected from me. So when I stopped drinking, it was having to say goodbye to that that person that was yeah no longer there anymore. And the old friends, the, you know, some are still in my life and are still willing to meet up with me for like a walk or things like that. But there were some friends that weren't interested in hanging out with me anymore. It made me realize, oh, they did only call me just when they wanted to go to the bar because they knew that I would agree to it I was always that girl like yeah yeah so that's why everyone used to call me so everything changed and yeah so I think it's just a massive adjustment period and it takes a while so for the first few months I laid low I avoided social situations I basically yeah avoided anything that I thought could trigger me and then it was a transition just going back into the real world slowly slowly um so yeah
0: how do you handle social situations today because as you mentioned if you do feel that sense of unease or anxiousness that i mean it's just part of who we are and i i relate to that i feel the same way a lot of the time how do you face social situations where everyone around you is probably drinking for the same reason let's face it mm. but you're not
1: yeah well as I said in the early days I was just avoiding it and I had to really ease myself back in with baby steps and it's interesting that we're talking about this subject now because only very recently I've come off my anxiety medication so me and anxiety right now is very very just prevalent and it's it's an adjustment period now for me just coming off these meds um, but I think just just being honest and open and just admitting like, oh, yeah, I just feel a bit uncomfortable in this situation right now. And my friends are just very accepting and loving. And I realize, oh, wait, no one's judging me right now. You know, everyone is understanding, because as you say, like so many other people are also experiencing this. This ang- anxious feeling. I feel like, especially since COVID, um, nearly all my friends were on some kind of medication for anxiety. So I think it's just like removing that shame um, and realizing that it's nothing to be embarrassed of. But really, um, yeah, just slowly, slowly integrating back into the world. And to be honest, I've lost all interest in going to bars like pr- practically every night. I used to be at a bar and I'm just not I'm not interested in it as much anymore like I got married back in May and that was amazing that I even got up and performed and sang yeah because wow. I've, I've always been a performer and I've always been at the bar taking shots before I get up on stage and it was amazing that now I can actually perform on stage without needing that Dutch courage so you know, it's dependent on the day. Some days I do feel uncomfortable, but other days I feel better. And again, I think um, in my sobriety, working a program, connecting deeper with a higher power, and it's helped me to move away from fear and lean more into faith to know that everything is going to be okay has, yeah, been very comforting because that's what I used to drink over, like all my problems. Mm -hmm. I used to seek comfort from alcohol when now I'm seeking comfort from a higher power. And the higher power
0: can be different for everyone as well. So people shouldn't shy away from the spirituality because it, it can look different. I mean, it can be as simple as meditating and walking on the beach or, you know, spending time with your thoughts, journaling. Exactly. It doesn't have to be religious, so to speak. Yeah. So it is difficult, I think, with friendships that I would imagine. And it's as you've described, some friends you have to let go or they let you go. But do you find yourself today surrounded by a much stronger, better circle
1: of people? Absolutely. A lot more stable. And there's far less chaos and drama. It's just a lot more peaceful and easy. And yeah I feel like the friends I have now that they were they were still around back in the day um, but they're just very solid friendships in comparison to the other friends that I used to hang out with but what's also really interesting is now I'm being a lot more upfront and open on social media about my sobriety is I'm actually having some of those old friends I used to drink a lot with reach out to me going oh my gosh please help me like I don't know how to stop drinking so it's it's interesting how slowly I'm reconnecting to those people
0: yeah and it's a good transition now because my next question is how are you helping other women today you've kind of changed your own life in order to help others
1: yes yeah, so it's been 20 21 months now since I've last had a drink and I'd say in the last year I've definitely yeah become a lot more open about it in the first year I kind of kept it a secret. I I guess there was a bit of shame around it, but now I'm like, yeah, this is me. And I just kind of feel called to help others because it also, I feel helps my own recovery knowing that now I have purpose. Now I am a responsible person that can actually help other people. And it, you know, it just, it it also keeps me busy rather than getting stuck in my own head and, and wanting to drink over things. So yeah, I, I help other ladies, uh, well, men and women, um, with sobriety. I've even created like my own program. It's like a three month program that I coach people through. And I also sponsor people, um, through a 12 step program as well. Very nice. So where can we
0: find you online? If we want to, if someone wanted to connect and maybe sign up for, for your program.
1: I am on Instagram and my name is Clarity with Claire underscore. And my name, Claire, is Claire without an I, C-L-A-R-E. Okay, good. And my last question is,
0: are there any books that, I know you mentioned that book, back in your, when you were 19 years old, but are there any other books that you find are helpful that you might refer women to when they're thinking about it? Maybe they're not quite at the point where they're ready to commit to some kind of a program or they're not sure if they have a problem or not.
1: Um, I've also read a book called Alcohol Explained. And again, just a really good book at developing like a better understanding of exactly what's happening. and, you know, why we're drinking in the first place. But for me, really, as I said, like the books, yeah, they, they're helpful. But I also find like... Face-
0: if you're anything like me, you love to read. But we don't always have time to sit and spend the time reading that we'd love to. Because our schedules are busy. While I'm out walking or I'm at the gym or even taking long car rides... I now use Audible to listen to a lot of the books that I love. I'm currently reading a book on boundaries, one of the subjects that has come up in these interviews, and I've read all different genres, but particularly my self-help books are my go-tos for Audible. So if you'd like to join Audible, you can listen while you walk as well. Go to the link I have in the show notes, and you'll see how you can easily sign up for a free trial. Audible has been an amazing tool for me in my health and wellness journey. And I hope you can find that it's useful for you as well.
1: Facebook groups and just Mm. finding other, like there's such a big sober community on Instagram and on the Facebook groups and just reading other people's stories are just super motivational. So again, that's kind of why I share my story on there because I feel like that really does help people realize like you can get so much identification it's crazy when I read those stories how much I relate to to those other people so I would highly recommend joining some Facebook groups for some inspiration
0: yeah I think that's a great idea and there are groups out there for everything now it's one of the perks of social media for sure rather Mm. than just having to sign up for like a 12-step program or what people used to do a long time ago and still do Mm -hmm. today, I'm sure. So thanks so much for being with us here, Claire. I'm going to leave your Instagram in the show notes so that um, women in particular, my audience can connect with you if they'd like to reach out or at least follow your story. Oh,
1: thank you ever so much.
0: Sure. So thank you. It was, it has been a pleasure and I hope to connect with you again soon. Oh, speak
1: to you soon. Thank you. Bye.
0: All right, I messed up the recording, stop here. So I'm just gonna, I have to just end me.